Welcome to another Kingdom Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I've got a word to share uh, tonight, and the, the theme is the ministry of reconciliation. How many people like the word reconciliation? It's a powerful word, isn't it? Because it really depicts. Um, relationships that have struggled or backslidden or been out of whack, coming back into alignment, you know, coming back into the the way that they ought to be. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure everybody here would have experience of some kind of broken relationship in their journey. You know, it's not always easy being in relationships and sometimes the pain associated with a broken relationship can be extremely hard to bear. Amen? Um, it, I've been through so many interesting broken relationships over the years. Not only my first marriage, but other relationships in my life where you've got people who were really close friends at one stage, who are no longer friends, and People who, for whatever reason, and as a pastor, you know, people will sometimes, they'll just walk away and you'll wonder, what on earth did I do wrong? And, you know, you have all that sort of stuff that goes through your heart and your mind. And um, I look at that and the pain associated with that. And I look at how people, oftentimes they want relationships to be restored, but sometimes the pain associated with trying to see a relationship restored is so, so painful. Um, you want to just close that, Sam? Because it is a bit cold out there. Thanks, mate. <clears throat> Sometimes the, the pain associated with trying to restore a relationship is so strong that some people put it in the too hard basket because they don't think they can cope with that, that process, the pain involved. Well, the thing about God is that he is the great reconciler. Uh, he, God is a reconciler. He, he built, not built, created us. Built us. <laughs> it's like Lego, a <laughs> little Lego. Now he built us, he created us with relationship in mind. He, he's, his whole nature is love. And as he established man upon the earth, it was it was designed that we would have relationship with him and a harmonious one at that. Now, how many people know that when you're in a harmonious relationship, oh, it's so glorious. It's just like, wow, that's the way it ought to be, you know? I remember when Sheck and I really began to forge a relationship together, there was this sense of, oh, this is the way relationship is supposed to be, you know? We had this real sense of camaraderie and wanting to engage in life together and kind of really felt like we were soulmates and that's what we're meant to be doing and there was this, this real excitement and anticipation. I remember our first year of marriage um, we did this incredible tour around America. We spent five weeks travelling and we did this outreach in the middle of the desert um, in a place called Black Rock which was um, a festival called Burning Man Festival. We spent a week at this incredible festival. 80,000 people all camping out and Sheck and I got to minister together in the midst of this heathen hedonistic society you know people wandering around half naked and you're sort of thinking well 
You know, that's pretty, but pretty bad. But the thing is, God just said, go. And we went with a group of people who had a ministry at a big tent. And the whole idea was that people are lost and they just need Jesus. And God wants to reconcile himself to them, but they don't know how. And that put God in the too hard basket, most people, right? That relationship is over there. Some of them don't even know that he exists. Some of them think, well, he's just this dodgy guy in the sky with a big stick. He wants to beat us up. And, and, and he's a freedom taker. And really, he's a freedom giver. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why people put their relationship with God in a too hard basket. Too hard. Can't deal with that one. The pain. Imagine all the pain that people think that they would experience if they're trying to get right with God. If all they know about God is that they've got to get all their ducks in a row. I've got to, you know, tick this religious rule off, and they've got to tick this religious rule off, and they've got to tick this religious rule off, and that's all they've ever heard, a lot of people, you know? But that's not, that's not God, that's not his heart. But that's the way a lot of people see God. And they see God as too hard. They see your relationship with God as too hard. And so we went into this place um, in a brand new relationship where we're so excited you know, and, and the team knew that we were because they were like, oh, wow, it's so good to have you guys here because we're like the married couple on team and we're like the mama and papa of the team. A lot of them were young guys like some of you here, you know. And, uh, and so we got to, you know, not only love on the team, but then we got to love on all these people that come in this tent looking for something, you know, and looking for an encounter. And, and we had an opportunity to engage with people in the reconciliation process. But all that comes out of something that we've already had established in our own lives. And see, God, he knew that we had put him in the two-heart basket. Most of us, um, in fact, all of us, really, um, the Bible says we've turned our back on God in our natural state. You know, right back, you go all the way back to Adam and Eve. This perfect, harmonious relationship. It's like, and they decide to divorce God. Well, they decide to cheat on him, right? True, eh? That's really what happened. They cheated on God. They aligned themselves with another voice. You know? And then God says, but I'm holy, guys. I told you that. I can't, I can't have this sin in my presence. And it was like they had turned their back on God. And from that point on, every, every person born of that seed had that same state of being turned, had their back turned to God. Until Jesus came, comes along. And what, what really took place, and I'm going to take a little bit of poetic license tonight, right? right? So it's like God, he opened up the door of heaven and said, Son, go get him. Bring them back. I want them in relationship, you know. We've divorced God, we've cheated on him, we've turned our back on him, and there's this separation there, and God says, I'm the one who's going to make the first move. I'm the one who's going to go after them, because they're not going to come after me. Right? And so he says, son, go get them. Right? And then Jesus jumps into humanity. He humbles himself, the Bible says. Left his deity in heaven and became like us, a man. 
And he came to earth, he came to mankind, but you know what mankind did to Jesus? They killed him. Right? Again, a little bit of poetic license, so as the blood is dripping into the ground, it forms a cross. It forms an arrow, I should say, and points straight back to heaven. It says, guys, that's the way to heaven. You know, it's kind of like everything that Jesus did was pointing back to the Father, pointing back to that perfect relationship that we were designed to have. And you know what? Sometimes, even as Christians who've been Christians for a long time, we can lose the sense of awe of that, that, that restoration that took place. Can anyone remember the first time that they got saved and they, 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 like the, the burden was lifted and they just felt so free? Do you remember that? Do you remember when the Holy Ghost came upon you for the first time and you're like, whoa, this is so amazing. This is like, what? Can this even happen? You know, is God that real? Is he that engaged? Is he that awesome? And, you know, you can be like, I've been a Christian since I was like five, six years of age. So it's like almost 50 years, right? And you can, you can have seasons in your life where it's almost like you take for granted that beautiful, harmonious opportunity to have relationship with God. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm saved, it's all good. Let's just watch the footy. <laughs> you know, let's just chug another beer down and let's just put our feet up and relax. And, and I think to myself, I wonder why it is that we can, A, lose our first love or lose that sense of connection to God. Because some people... They get saved and they get all excited. And I think it's the church, to be honest, a large part of what, we, what probably does the disengagement. Because then you've got all these people that are saying, right now, now that you're saved, here's all the ducks you've got to get in a row if you want to stay saved. Here's all the things you've got to tick. Tick all the boxes. You know? And the thing is, we never got saved by that in the first place. It was all Jesus. Right? Jesus stepped out of heaven and he came to earth and the Bible says that he became sin so that we could be made righteous. Isn't that amazing? He became sin. What did he do? He took the blame. He said it was my fault. That's more or less what he did. Even though he hadn't done anything wrong in the relationship, he said, no, it's okay, it's my fault, I'll take the blame. And he wore the punishment or the penalty of that, took that upon himself. So this reconciliation process was initiated by God, right? So you and I are made right with God because of his initiation. But then God did something. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. The ministry of reconciliation. He gave us this ministry. So I want to, I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right? um, not the whole chapter, I just want to read from verses 17 to 21. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everyone say, new creation. Think about that. New creation. 
Not old, new, brand new. Wow. All right. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God. Or maybe it mean, maybe the emphasis is different. Now all things are of God. Okay, that's a different way of reading it, isn't it? Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And, there's the and, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So God reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Wow. Well, that's, that's important right there, yeah? That is, and this is where Paul elaborates. I love it when Paul elaborates. So he's made a statement, now he elaborates on the statement, yeah? He goes, that is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, in other words, not putting their sin back on them, but taking him off, right? That's important. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So what really took place was, right? Jesus steps out of heaven, yeah? Doors wide open, God opens the door, bang, right? And God says, go get him, Jesus. Jesus steps out of heaven as an ambassador of God, to the earth to bring reconciliation to man and then he takes off his coat of sonship and puts it on us and goes right now you're a son right and then he says now you go like me back so he leads us first of all he leads us in so he could send us out yeah he leads us in because God says go get him bring him home Put the sonship mantle on them, yeah? Come and sit at the table, eat at the table, feast at the table of the king. And then what does he do? He says, right, now, you go out just like Jesus did with the same ministry of reconciliation. That's what he's saying, yeah? Wow, so cool. All right, let's keep reading. Now then, he says... We are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. So, first of all, God's pleading through Christ. Because he's the first one. But now, we have become ambassadors of Christ. As if God were pleading through us. What's he pleading? This. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the question that we are called to initiate in the earth. Be reconciled to God. Yeah? For, he says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Right? So, Jesus, who had no sin, hadn't done anything wrong, didn't initiate the divorce. Right? said, I'll take the blame. It's all on me. And he took all that sin upon himself. And he hung on the cross. What happened on the cross? Do you remember? All the sin landed on Jesus. And what did the Father do? Turned his face away. Wow. Jesus said, 
Father, why have you forsaken me? In that moment of grief that Jesus took on the sin of the world, his father turned his face away. Why? Because God is holy. And just like when Adam and Eve had sinned, God had to turn them around and say, right, guys, you've made your choice. But see, God, even then God was gracious. Even then God was gracious. He said, I still want to have a relationship with you, but we're going to have to do some, put some things in place so that can still happen. And a sacrificial system was established. But now Jesus came as the ultimate sacrifice so the sacrificial system could be completely wrapped up in him, in his final sacrifice. We have been reconciled with Christ and given the ministry of reconciliation. We have become ambassadors of Christ. Now, Christ is love. God is love. Christ is God. Christ is love. So what are we our ambassadors of? We're ambassadors of love. Amen? Right, so here's the thing. How are we doing? Being ambassadors of love. Come on, church. You only need to have a look at the church on Facebook to know we're not doing so good. <laughs> Seriously. There's all this fighting going on. Right? How many people like to have a ding-dong on Facebook? Get into an argument. Oh, no, my theology is better than your theology. How, what sort of an impact is that going to have on the world? My goodness me. We've got to get to the point, friends, where we love so powerfully that when people see us... Do you, do you know one of the catchphrases of the Jesus people moving back in the 60s and 70s? They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Wow. That is powerful. They will know we are Christians by what? Love. Our love. What? Our love for matters? No, our love for each other. The way we respond and react. And, you know, and, and so when, well, then you hear about the, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You think, wow, imagine if we could live with those. We can. But imagine if we did, actually, right? If that was what characterised our life in the way we react and respond to each other. Imagine the impact that would have on the world who is looking for love. Do you know that everybody was created for love? Everybody is created for love. And only those whose consciences and hearts are so seared and so hardened by the impact of the world or the impact of Satan and his schemes, they're the only... There's some in the world that... Are, You'd almost think they're incapable of love. But the reality is, that is their, the state that they have become. But that's not their original state. That's not the healed version, that's the soiled version of them. And so somebody who's incapable of love is just a person who doesn't know God. But when we know God, we can love, because we know love. And if you know love, you can operate in love. 
And so God says, come back to me. And as you come into his bosom, as it were, into his heart, into his fellowship, into encounter with Almighty God, then you are wrapped in love. And everything, you know why we, f- we find it so difficult to love sometimes? Because we've, we're tr- still trying to get our ducks in a row. We're trying to tick the boxes so that we think God will love, will, will love us or accept us or we might be acceptable to the people around us. But the only one who we're to be acceptable for is Jesus, is the Lord. But the reality is we can't do it in our own strength. That's the truth. We can't actually tick the boxes. That's why Jesus became sin. So that we could become righteousness. Right? That's why our filthy garments get taken off and his gets put on us. Isn't that awesome? Like, we get to walk in glory because Jesus was prepared to hang on a cross in our filthy sin. He took our garments upon himself and shed his blood so that we could have... And that was the reconciliation process. And then, now, we've been given this invitation. It's not even an invitation, it's a command to become ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ, whether we like it or not. You know what? An ambassador can be a really bad example. Have you ever come across somebody from another nation who perhaps leaves a bad taste in your mouth and suddenly you think of that particular nation based on that one person? You ever had that experience? I remember when I was young, um, Living in America, uh, living in um, Darwin, we were getting ready to go to America, right? And I hadn't met an American before, okay? And I was only 14. And then some Americans come through, and they were loud, and they were raucous, and they were carrying on. And in my 14-year-old brain, I thought, I don't like Americans. I really don't. They're not like us. You know, because all my friends and their dads were all like laid back, let's have a beer, you know, let's, let's relax, let's get around the barbie and have a bit of fun. And these guys were like, oh, why, why are they so, oh, you know. Now, they were probably extraordinary people, but it left a t- taste in my mouth that I, and it, then I finally got to America, because we, we had an eight week trip with my family. I suddenly realised they're not all like that. (laughs) And suddenly I had to reconfigure my whole brain because that's all I knew. You know what? People have this idea about Christians based on what they see. They have this idea about God based on who, the way they... You know, the amount of people that I get on the bus who were brought up around somebody who was religious or went to church or maybe they were sent to Sunday school when they were a kid. Something like that went to... Christian school or Catholic school or whatever it might be and the experience of that has damaged them so much that now suddenly God's in the too hard basket all over again right and it's like their back is turned and they're just doing their own thing and the problem is with that is the church has just as much to blame for a lot of the pain associated with people in the world today who aren't walking with God. 
and say, what, what, what do we do about it? I think it's simple. We become ambassadors of love. We actually see ourselves for who God has called us to be. We're the ones who've been brought in to the banqueting table who have this incredible experience of reconciliation with God. And now, you say, right now, go out, my son. Because right? we got the son mantle on, yeah? We are sons of God. And he says, just like you did to Jesus, now go out, son, go bring him in. Yeah? But he doesn't say, go and preach to them the law and tell them how to get their ducks in a row. He says, go and love and show them the way home. What did Je- how did Jesus do that? Well, he healed a bunch of people. Right? He exhibited the kingdom of heaven wherever he went. He preached the kingdom is at hand. The authority of God, the love of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God. He fed the hungry. He loved on people who the rest of the world wouldn't have loved on. He said to the woman caught in adultery, go away and sin no more. Because no one's throwing stones today. Yeah? That's our Jesus. When the disciples were having a bit of a ding-dong knock-up fight over who was going to sit at the right and the left, Jesus said, calm down, fellas. Right? He turned around and he washed their feet. He said, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the servant of all. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. Doesn't Jesus just mess everything up? Right? He messes the church up because in the church today so many people want to be known. So many people want to their back patted the biggest and a lot of these prophetic people and, and, and people online are just looking for more likes and more ticks and you know more money and I think there's an element within the body of Christ that has just missed the mark, you know. I remember this story. Um, of uh, the Titanic when it went down and how as these lifeboats were pulling people out of the water some of them, as soon as they got in the boat they'd turn around and start reefing people in who were behind them in the queue trying to get in these boats because immediately they thought I'm safe, now I'm going to help somebody else and then there were others who just shrunk back into the corner and just put the blanket around them and sat there and I'm safe, you know. And that's, you kind of understand that because the trauma they've just been through, right? But then then they get put onto the the big boat that was coming and they're going there and they're all warm and the next thing that you got people who are up at the bar drinking and carrying on and laughing and they're safe. While there's still people out in the water drowning, and I feel as though sometimes in the church we're so focused on ourselves that we, we forget where we were and the impact that not reaching out to help people in 
not going out through that door and, and being ambassadors of Christ in the world, what impact that has. And, and the problem with being self-focused in the church is not only the fact that we're not doing what we're called to do, but we're doing a whole bunch of other stuff we're not called to do. And then, then, and then that's when the church starts to look pretty stinky to the world. And it's a no wonder people are putting God in a two-heart basket. Amen. How can we change that? Be ambassadors of love. Be lovers and not fighters. Now, I don't mean not fighters in the sense of not fighting in the spiritual sense, because we battle. There's a battle going on. But you see, we love people and we, we, we fight our battles in the spiritual realm. We don't fight our battles in the natural realm. And that's where we, a lot of people get it wrong. They've switched it around. They're like all like, oh, I just love God. I love the Holy Spirit and I love all... You know, but all their fighting is happening in the natural realm. <laughs> but you see, there's a devil out there and we've got to fight that war. And how do we fight? The best way to fight that war is just be like Jesus. Just be love. Jesus said, if someone strikes you on one cheek, what do you do? Turn the other cheek. Wow! That's so anti- world behaviour, isn't it? If someone takes one of your coats, what do you do? Give him another one. Give him your shirt as well. Wow. That's so anti-world behaviour, isn't it? Jesus was just different. He just wanted us to get it. That is not like, we're not like the world. We can fight, take people to court and do all sorts of things. We can take other Christians to court. We can get it all sorted out and have, because we want our big bank account and we want this and we want that. But what about God? Where's he in all of that? Where's love? What does love really look like? Love your enemies, Jesus said. Do good to those who persecute you. That is love. That's a, that's, that's a kind of love that's just otherworldly, isn't it? Guys, we, we, some of you said, when, when we asked where you're from, you said, oh, I'm, from, I'm from heaven, I'm from another world. Well, that's exactly what we're meant to be in this world today. We're meant to be representatives of heaven, ambassadors of heaven, ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of love in the world. Amen? Amen. All right. Yeah, evangelism. Yeah, we've got to do it. But it's not the big bash people over the head with the Bible. You know, what um, Grant and Allison have been doing is evangelism. right? Because you get someone in your taxi who, through conversation, you realise they've got a need. What do you do? You reach out to express love into that situation and you're being Christ, you're being love. You know that you don't have to necessarily tell someone how to get saved in order to be Christ to them. Do you know how many times people walked away from Jesus and he didn't say, hey, come back, come back, come back. I forgot to tell you. The Roman road, how to get saved. Because if 
If you walk away now, you'll miss out on eternity. The reality is that there are moments where God will put someone in your place, in your face, who just needs to be led to Jesus because they're ready. But there's a whole bunch of other times when they just need a bit of love. They just need to see Jesus. They need to hear him rather than being preached at. And we can be that person, yeah? I want to finish up by telling you this, this little story. Um, when, in, in the first church I passed, um, I, was, I was 23 years of age. Um, no, actually, no, I was 25. So it's probably the second church I passed. Sorry. I was 25 years of age. Um, and I had just left Bible college. I'd been trained and so on. And I come, come to this little church of about 30, 40 people. And there's a lady in the church whose husband was an atheist. And he was a bit of a philosopher, like, you know, fairly well-educated, liked debate, and didn't believe that God even existed, let alone wanted to follow. But his wife came to church, so he'd come to church, but he, he just loved to have a, you know, get in your ear and, oh, you know, what are they rubbish for? No. <laughs> right? I'm preaching away. He wouldn't do it in the middle of the sermon, thankfully, but he'd do it afterwards. But you know what? I engaged... I just knew I just got a love on this guy. Partly because his wife was, you know, you know, I wanted to be nice and all. But there were times in the conversations over a six-month period where I just wanted to thump him. <laughs> I want to go, BAM! <laughs> it's like, sort him out. But I didn't. I just kept on engaging. We had all these conversations. Then one day, I had to pick up a church bus from another church because we were going to have some youth group meeting. And I said, hey, look, I need someone to drive me over. And I knew he was free. And he goes, yeah, all right. Because you know, we built up a bit of a friendship. And uh, so we drove. But now we're trapped in a car together. <laughs> right? Trapped in a car. Six months' worth of conversations. And I don't know, for some reason, that day, the Lord chose that day. Right? And we're talking, we're talking. And, and, and for some reason, it's all starting to land, right? And we get to the car park. We're sitting there. There's the bus, and I'm supposed to hop out of the car. And I said to him, is there any reason why you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ? That was my question. He goes, no, not really. He goes, well, you want to do it now? He goes, what, right here? Yeah? Alright. So I said, well, let's just pray. So I just prayed a prayer with him. He goes, alrighty then. I guess I'm saved. <laughs> and he got saved in the car after six months of this atheist philosopher who kept on nailing me time after time after time with the heaviest questions. He'd, he'd invite me around for coffee just to just to slam me with question after question after question. Why God this? Why this? Why is this in the world? Why this? Why this? Why this? He had all the reasons why God couldn't possibly exist. And throughout it all, I think one time I got angry with him and told him to shut up. <laughs> but he forgave me for that one. But he got saved, right? And sometimes we just got to be in relationship with people. And as we do, God will move. Keep showing love.
keep being that ambassador. The, the word of reconciliation has been given to us. God wants to reconcile himself with the whole world. Amen? And we have that responsibility. And I'm telling you, friends, if, if, if you just go out with a pocket full of love, or a heart full of love, and just be Jesus everywhere you go, in every encounter, you respond with a Jesus response rather than a worldly response, man, you get so much more, more um, cred in heaven for a start. But you'll see, you'll see, eventually, you'll see the fruit of that. And even if you don't, you know what? They could kill you. They could stone you to death. Go back and read all the disciples, how they end up dying. They just so committed. They were so committed to the cause. You know, that, wow. You know that John lived to, like, real old age. Jesus told him he would. But the thing that Jesus didn't tell him was that he would be put in a pot of boiling oil and, and survive, put on an island of Patnos to, by himself in the last days of his life, and in isolation. Like, we think we've got isolation. Like, that's ridiculous, you know. He got poison, he got all sorts, you know. The Apostle Paul got shipwrecked and stoned, like stoned to death, but he didn't die. You know, multiple times, he says. Wow, right? So that's the commitment to being ambassadors for Christ that we have our, as our example. They weren't Jesus. They were Jesus' disciples. We aren't Jesus. We are Jesus' disciples. But we have his cloak on our shoulders, the sonship mantle upon our shoulders, and the word of reconciliation in our heart. We've got a commitment to go after the world. Amen. All right, well, that was a good reminder, wasn't it, hey? All right, well, let's pray and, and let's conclude this meeting and probably have a cuppa or something if we feel led to. Uh, we might, there might be somebody who needs some prayer uh, for some healing or something like that. We can do that before we finish up as well, yeah? All right, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you first, Father, that you sent your son to reconcile us to yourself. What an amazing gift that was. We don't want to take that for granted, God. We don't want to lose our first love. And if we have, Lord, stir it up again in us, we pray. But Lord, stir it in us, the word of reconciliation, the, the cause that we've been born again to fulfill while we're still upon this earth. Before we enter into our final resting place in eternity, Lord, we have a, a task upon the earth to bring others into reconciliation. We've, we've been pulled out of that ocean and into that light boy, and, and, and we just want to turn around, Lord, with all the strength that you give us to start pulling others in and out of the wash. And, uh, Lord, we just pray, Lord God, that you would give us wisdom and grace and peace. Lord, if any of us have lived a life of a poor example, as we have, Lord, that we would just surrender that to you and ask for forgiveness and just come back to you and say, okay, Lord, I want to start afresh. I want to have another go at this. 
I, I really want my character and my life to represent you well, Lord, upon the earth while I'm here. And so, Lord, I pray for everybody here. Uh, Lord, regardless of, of our, our status in you, how long we've been a Christian, Lord, how, how old we are or young we are, whether we're male or female, whether we're, we're um, what, what colour our skin, Lord, it doesn't matter. We're all your children and we all have a responsible responsibility upon our shoulders to be ambassadors of love upon the, upon the earth. So give us, Lord, um, the empowerment and the grace to be that in the days and the years to come, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. What have we got there, Mr. Ryan? You want to read that verse? 1 John 4, 17. Just read it out for us, brother. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Yeah, so good. Because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Mm. Yeah, that's so good, isn't it? Amen. Oh, that's a good way to finish. All right, guys, well, bless you. Um, if anyone would like prayer... Maybe just stick up your hand and we'll pray for you. And uh, if you'd like to have a cup or something before you go, you're welcome to. Thanks for listening. This has been another Kingdom Community Church podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, go to www.kingdomcc.com.au. God bless.